It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. This is Harry Hurley filling in today for Brian Kilmeade, partnering today with Allison, Eric, and Pete, the great Brian Kilmeade team. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I consider Brian's program point of guest host personal privilege. I consider Brian's program to be on the Mount Rushmore of radio talk show programs in all of America. I don't say that in friendship, which we are friends. I don't say that lightly. There's only room for four, if you get my analogy here. Brian makes the list with room to spare. Truly one of the most significant voices in America today, and and of course with his pen as well as a best-selling author. BrianKilmead.com, BrianKilmeadShow.com to follow Brian. Our nation's capital is in lockdown. Can you believe I just uttered those words on the Brian Kilmeade Show? More than 21,000 troops assembled, checkpoints, movement is restricted, fencing, all the things that Fox News Channel's Jennifer Griffin describes, and she's been there, as it looks like the green zone in Iraq. This makes it surreal in purely American terms as we thought we knew them. Joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Newsmaker line is a very talented reporter, Kevin Cork, Fox News White House correspondent. Kevin, I'm Harry. Welcome to Brian's program. Listen, Harry, you nailed it when you said it's a privilege and it's a privilege for uh, for me to join you. But this is such a tremendous uh, outlet for a number of Americans. I think a lot of people feel like their voices aren't being heard, their opinions aren't being heard. So uh, it's a great uh, platform. Good to be with you, my friend. Good to be with you, Kevin. In terms of what this looks like, because you're on the ground, you see what it typically looks like, and you see what it looks like now following Wednesday, January 6th. I don't know if this is forevermore that we're going to almost take on the necessity of a militarized zone presence in the, in the seat of our government. Uh, it, it used to be you could pull right up to the White House, then there were barricades, and you could get somewhat close, and then it's further away. Then there had to be a fence, and as you know, you've covered it so well, Kevin. Then somebody got over, some knucklehead got over the fence into the White House, actually. Then it had to be a higher fence with, with security points and all kinds of uh, techniques added to the, um, to the security protection. What does this look like in your estimation? Is it surreal? Gosh, that's such a good word. Uh, Can I throw another one at you? It's depressing. And I say that because I, I too, remember uh, being able to walk or drive down Pennsylvania Avenue. I, too, remember covering the White House before we had to have a higher uh, fence. And, yes, I've covered numerous inaugurations, and uh, this is – surreal is one word for sure, and I think the other might be depressing because you hate to see – our country sort of devolve into uh, a landscape, this sort of dystopian uh, you know, landscape where everything has to be checkpointed and, you know, show your ID to go here to get there, you know, no car traffic. And that, to me, is a reflection, unfortunately, of a couple of things. One, it's a reflection of where we are politically in our country. And I think there are a number of actors who have contributed uh, to this particular point in our history and 
and I think there's plenty of blame to go around. But I think that's also a reflection uh, of the, uh, the security um, necessity. Um, I, I don't mind telling you, uh, there are a lot of crazy folks out there, and maybe crazy isn't the PC word, I'm not sure, uh, disturbed. Uh, you can pick another adjective, but there are a lot of people out there that would do harm to innocence. And so this is the world we're living in. And I, can, I live a mile door to door from the White House. Wow. And uh, I can't uh, I can't get much more than maybe a quarter mile down my street before I have to abandon my vehicle and and walk or take a bike. Kevin Cork, Fox News, White House correspondent visiting on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The atmosphere right now, the FBI director, Ray, has said as recently as yesterday on the Fox News channel, that he sees, they see extensive chatter about potential armed protests all over America, including, of course, in our nation's capital. What are your thoughts about that? Well, remember this, uh, and this, there's something we call circular reporting, right? If one person writes a memo making an allegation based off of, say, Internet chatter, that one memo can easily get picked up by one news outlet and then suddenly become sort of uh, the move of the day. Now, that said, I I would never downplay uh, what they know. They have tremendous resources. They have people uh, in and around various movements to ensure uh, safety. So to tell you the the truth, I listened to his remarks yesterday with the vice president, and uh, they feel like they need to act out of an abundance of caution. And the truth is, we all need that. Uh, Twenty-one thousand is is a shocking is a shocking number. Uh, that is by far more than the number of active troops currently serving in Iraq and Afghanistan. So when you see numbers like that, you just begin to wonder where's the evidence that suggests that this is needed. But the truth is, if you were in that position. Would you not also, out of an abundance of caution or perhaps intelligence, do any and everything in your power to ensure uh, the peaceful transfer of power? And that's what the the, uh, director said yesterday. And I look, I can't fault the guy. I really hope that all of this is unnecessary. But the truth is better safe than sorry. I couldn't agree more. And I'm on board with it, too, because obviously there was a, a colossal failure. I don't even know if we understand yet how much of a failure there was. It's my understanding, Kevin, the mayor of Washington, D.C., wanted more protection. It didn't come. There was such a delay when it was called for, even when the, the, the knowledge of the fact that there was a breach and an attack on the People's House had taken place. And I don't understand it. So the fact that a week ago they, they were so woefully, and, and what more serious solemn occasion would, would you, and even celebratory occasion would you have uh, than the vice president, the president of the Senate, the entire Senate, the, the House of Representatives, all in joint session. You talk about a security threat and to have the 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 lack of I don't blame the Washington Capitol. The, the Capitol Police were awesome. They, they took care of human resource. And it's they like, did. hey, if a window's broken, we'll fix a window and a door later. Thank you very much. But we're going to keep people safe. I think they don't even get the credit that they deserve with the numbers that they were and, and the, the force that they were up against. But that they failed so spectacularly means you have to go and overcompensate the other way based on what happened on the 6th of January, Kevin. You, you said it perfectly. It was a uh, – you said a colossal failure. It was stupendous yeah. uh, to have this happen. I'm beyond gobsmacked, and I know the nation watched in horror as uh, a few dozen uh, people who, again – 
uh, were just bent on violence, decided to uh, wild out, as uh, the kids used to say, in, in the people's house. Thankfully, this time around, they're not taking any chances. And I'll tell you what else. Uh, we hear helicopter traffic a lot in this town. It's just sort of background noise and being in Washington, D.C. Uh, there have been birds everywhere. Uh, I mean everywhere. So I think they're being proactive, and I think in this case it is warranted. Kevin, in terms of uh, what's happening in the next couple of days, the, the Trumps will move out, the Bidens will move in. That's a spectacle, the, the, the orderly change of, of authority. Uh, of our executive branch. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, uh, the beat goes on. Uh, this will be my fourth administration. I covered Bush, and I saw the Bushes leave. I covered Obama. I saw the Obamas leave. I've covered the Trumps. Uh, they, too, will leave, and I'll, God willing, and the crick don't rise, I'll uh, cover the Bidens when they leave. Uh, but But I'll tell you this. What's interesting about it is, unlike any other previous transition, there is deep enmity uh, among many people in this country about the way the election unfolded, about uh, irregularities, both uh, those that have been reported and some that have yet to be reported. Uh, So this is an unusual time. I think it's a big opportunity for the president to sort of salve wounds, as he did with his tremendous remarks uh, the other day, and just remind people Uh, Let the uh, temperature go down on all this. There'll be a time for history to record what happened here. In the meantime, let's look back at the good things and keep it moving and hope for the very best, by the way, for the incoming administration. Because even if you didn't vote for Joe Biden and uh, Vice President-elect Harris, what you really want is the best for the country. So maybe, just maybe, everything gets uh, worked out and maybe we all – continue to move in a positive economic direction, social direction, et cetera. But, you know, that's the best you can hope for right now. So we'll watch it all together, and uh, I'll be there. We have a couple of minutes with Kevin Cork. He is uh, the Fox News White House correspondent. Uh, by the way, I didn't say it in the beginning, and I should have. I'm a big fan of your work. I referred to uh, Allison, Thank Eric, you. and Pete calling you a very elegant reporter. Uh, you're steady. You do an incredible job. Uh, you're, you're dispassionate. You're even-handed. Uh, I'm very impressed with your work for a long time. Just wanted to uh, to share that with you before we ran out of time. But let me throw one more at you that I didn't in the beginning either, and I didn't say it in the beginning of the show because I wanted to get right to you. I'm a former President Trump employee a long time ago, almost 30 years ago, I guess a little over 30 years ago because I'm in my 30th year now in uh, this amazing opportunity called the spoken word format that I don't take for granted any day. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm still here three decades later. Uh, I interviewed the president. I was I I couldn't have gotten the senior position that I got without him directly hiring me. I've known him for over 30 years. I made three predictions on Fox News Radio uh, about a day or two after the election that President Trump will never concede because I know him. He just doesn't quit and he won't concede. I think that's come true. President Trump will not invite President-elect Joe Biden to the White House before January 20th. I can't prove that with my friend Kevin Cork right here and right now because it's only the 15th of January. But I think that's going to be proven to be true. And number three, that President Trump will not attend the Biden inauguration, which, as you know, Kevin, he confirmed that uh, a week or more ago uh, in writing. Uh, Those were three almost certainties that I knew. 
This will make him, I guess, the first president since Andrew Johnson not to uh, attend his successors. Maybe there was another two two or so occasions, but it's pretty rare. Do you think when when the new president is being sworn in that there'll be an atmosphere of who isn't there versus who is there? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words, my friend. I appreciate it very much. Uh, I would just say this. History is an unblinking judge. And in a great many ways, uh, history is written by the victors, right? So people who don't like the president will write things about the fact that he wasn't there, about the fact that he didn't demonstrate, in their opinion, the sort of uh, decorum uh, befitting a man who is the leader of the free world. But there'll be others who will feel like his absence is not only the right decision for him personally, it's also a reflection of where we are in the country. Uh, I I may not agree with that. Look, I I think the president, and I've covered him, and as you know, I I try to give uh, all presidents a fair shake, and he's been fair to me in return. I've never heard him, uh, you know, harshly criticize or, or cheerlead my work. It's in part, I think, because I do try to give both sides on every story that I tell. But the, the fact is this. When we look back at what happens here over the next week, you and I will be able to look at it with fresh eyes and we'll say, well, you know what? He should have gone or or maybe I'm not surprised he didn't go. But I think the long view of history will suggest that he didn't go. He's not the only one who didn't go. And frankly, given what happened, I'm not surprised either. Yeah, exactly. Kevin, an honor to present you uh, your first class all the way. Uh, continued great success. Another a new administration brings about, of course, new uh, new happenings. And it's going to be very, very different. I predict that our new president is not going to be as visible as our previous president. And for some in the news business, That's not going to be as exciting for them, but uh, we wish you well, continued success, and very nice to speak with you today. Real pleasure, brother. Have a great day and a great show. Give uh, BK my best. We'll talk again. Kevin Cork. The Brian Kilmeade Show, the phone lines will open in a little bit. Your participation, you know how much Brian uh, cherishes. He's got it. He has it all right. In fact, he's so right about so much that Governor Cuomo and Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago now are speaking the Brian Kilmeade doctrine of we have to, to treat COVID-19 seriously. We have to protect the most vulnerable, our elderly and those with the comorbidities. We have to have schools open. We have to have restaurants open. We have to have gyms open. All these things could have been done. And the reason we know that, we can now prove it. We knew it from our own acumen. But we can now prove that the Brian Kilmeade doctrine Always proved out like one plus one equals two, a math equation, because here and now, both Cuomo and Lightfoot say all the things that Brian Kilmeade has been saying, that restaurants have to be open. Well, they've needed to be open. They've had 1% transmission rate. They needed to be open the whole time. And if they can be open during the second wave, which is much more severe than the first wave, with a second variant And vaccinations on the way and some taking place, but many more having to follow. If they can do it now, they could have done it then. This is a very smart audience on Brian's program. You know the reason why this is okay now and it wasn't before. We have a lot to unpack and your phone calls at 
1-800-408-7669. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Brian, great news, ladies and gentlemen, back on Monday. We're going to prove that Governor Cuomo of New York now subscribes to the Brian Kilmeade Doctrine. Eric. We simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The cost is too high. We must reopen the economy, but we must do it smartly and safely. And Brian Kilmeade has said that since March 15th of last year. Joining the program is John in Michigan. John, your thoughts? Such hypocrites. It's terrible. Uh, we knew that this was going to happen, that they, that, that they were going to turn it around right after the election. I blame the liberal press. I, I blame MSNBC, CNN, NBC ABC, CBS, all of them for following a narrative. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. If you read Cheryl Atkinson's book, uh, Slanted, she talks about this kind of thing that's going on. There's a narrative established. The whole press follows it. And when it when their political needs needs or, or goals are met, then they'll they'll turn it off. And that's what we're facing. We are being propagandized by a press that is not a friend of the people. It's not a friend of freedom. It's not a friend of liberty. 
that's why, John, you're hearing such things as deprogramming Trump supporters. The um, PBS lawyer who was now uh, fired, who said re-education camps for Trump supporters and their children. The ABC News recline report where he felt comfortable writing the easy part was getting rid of Trump. The cleansing of the movement that he commands is something else. They're, they're not even hiding it anymore. John, thank you for a great call. More of your calls coming up. Much more important content. Great guests because this is, of course, The Brian Kilmeade Show, 866-408-7669. Phone lines are open. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Harry Hurley filling in today with uh, great partners, Allison, Eric, and Pete. Brian will be back on Monday. If there is any doubt that others have come on, on board very, very late to subscribe, free subscription. It's been a free subscription from Brian Kilmeade since the middle of March. Uh, he got it right from the beginning when others, I, I have always believed, purposely were inflicting this pain for political gain. I, I always believe that in the end, the truth becomes self-evident. It's undeniable, even to those who don't want to fess up to the truth. You know that this can't be a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. It can't all of a sudden, during the second wave of the pandemic, it can't suddenly be okay for these Democrats to reopen that which they 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 kept closed for all these months, crushing in some cases generations of of restaurateurs that from family member to family member they were able to make it through the Great Depression, Great Recessions, any type of economic turndown in American history. But you cannot shut someone down for month after month after month for going on nearly a year now, and expect that they will be able to pay uh, rent, mortgages, leasehold improvements, payroll. It, it's just it, – it is it is so cruel what was done. And in the last segment, we proved that Governor Cuomo has subscribed, late subscriber as well. He doesn't get the, the, the nice coin that we got when we signed on to Fox Nation that I have in my bookcase. He didn't, you don't get any prizes or anything like that, but he's a late subscriber to the Kill Me Doctrine. I think I've coined that. Uh, because Brian deserves that because he was courageous to go out there and say what needed to be said when it was not politically correct, when it was not popular to say it in certain quarters, and especially in certain quarters of supreme power. We're going to continue to prove that Democrats are coming on board all of a sudden, right before the new president takes office. If you believe it's a coincidence, that's your prerogative. I think it's something else. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, a late subscriber to the Brian Kilmeade Doctrine, Eric Cut 21. I want to get our restaurants and our bars reopened as quickly as possible. They've gone above and beyond to put in mitigation controls inside of the restaurants. They are going to be one of the safer places. They have always been of the safer places. They put the plexiglass in. They did the distancing. They did all kinds of amazing, fantastical things. 
and were shut down anyhow. That is so intellectually dishonest to hear someone like Mayor Lightfoot say that we have to get our restaurants back open, that they've done so much. They've done it all the time. They did it from the very beginning. They didn't need a manual. They didn't need instructions. They 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 wanted to do anything and everything that they could to be able to feed their families, provide the jobs to employees so that they can provide for their families and politicians for purely political reasons that I believe now is incontrovertible, like Governor Cuomo, Mayor Lightfoot, and others that all of a sudden are all coming on board to the Kill Me Doctrine. We're going to visit now with Ben, who's listening on WOKV in Jacksonville, Florida. Ben, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Harry, it's great to hear a fresh voice today and appreciate your commentary. Uh, As a military historian and a veteran, I recognize in years past we had uh, enemies that were identifiable with the uniform. Now we're seeing the modern warfare of civilians dressed uh, in uh, plain clothes that get themselves elected to positions of power through the legitimate electoral system, and then they begin to become enemies of the state, and they clamp down on the freedoms of this great country by virtue of that power. Well, let me, let me, com- let me comment real quick then. First of all, thank you for your service. Uh, we, we appreciate uh, that, you, um, that you gave your service for our country. That's number one. Number two, I like to keep my eye on the prize. I've said, and this pained me because I am a former Trump executive and I've known the president and have been a friend of the president's for over 30 years. It pained me from basically November 5th-ish on to know that nothing was going to turn this around. There were a lot of things in play and not all of them were wrongdoing. Uh, It is true. Many elected officials and appointed officials took advantage of the pandemic. They mailed out millions of ballots to people that didn't ask for them. Uh, My state did the same thing. Governor Murphy and I are friends, and we've agreed to disagree on a number of things. Uh, And and one of them was that if we can go to big box stores where certainly there's a higher transmission rate, if we can go to all these different things, then surely we can go into a polling place and vote. So I know there are a lot of frustrated people that believe what they believe, but we're not going to relitigate the election that's already over, Ben, because President-elect Biden is going to take office in, in five days at 12 noon. What we have to do is challenge everything that was done so that it can't be done again. For example, in Pennsylvania, outside of the legislature, because the, the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania rests that power in the legislature, as it does in, in almost all of our states and commonwealths. When changes were made and Republicans in Pennsylvania failed to challenge it, that was a problem. And, of course, that was a benefit because for whatever reason, Democrats have taken much more advantage of early voting and paper ballot voting than Republicans have who prefer to go on Election Day. That's why states like Florida, when they announced all the early voting first, the election was going one way. When they then announced the votes that came in at the voting machines, President Trump dominated and won the state by five points. Appreciate your passion, Ben. Thanks for calling Brian's program. And I understand. I exactly understand where you're coming from on that. There will be many people that don't like what happened, that don't believe what happened. But we're not going to be able to relitigate that. We have to do better. Democrats did a better job in securing 
Secretary of State positions, Board of Canvassers, election boards. They're called all kinds of different things. And they've done a better job in early voting. Republican candidates at the state level and at the national level are going to have to understand you can't get crushed when there's weeks and weeks and weeks of early voting. You can't get crushed and hope that you can overwhelm it on Election Day. First of all, you don't know if Election Day is going to be driving rain and all kinds of problems. You don't even know. The early voting is where Joe, Joe Biden won. I, I contend on Brian's show that Joe Biden won the election well before the first vote was cast because of the job that Democrats did in in years of the run-up to putting rules in place that they legally knew exactly how to manage. It's just so, I think, obvious when you look in totality and dispassionately take a look at it as opposed to advocating for one or the other. Kelsey is in Memphis, Tennessee. She's listening on the uh, Fox News radio app. Kelsey, welcome to Brian's program. You're on the air. Hi. Thanks for having me. Okay, so in light of what we were saying about Lightfoot and Cuomo, I have to say I I am a journalist here in Tennessee. I'm young, um, but I'm old enough to know what hypocrisy is. And so for me, back in March when we were just hearing about all the closings in New York of Cuomo, even in Chicago with uh, Mayor Lightfoot, Um, it was a lot of like we were we were scared of the unknown. We didn't know what was happening. But to see this 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 tilt shift and the shift from, oh, my gosh, we have to freak out and close everything down to, yeah, sure, let's open everything back up again. It's like, who are we to trust? Who are we to believe? And I worked for ABC News and I remember we would give out of coverage to go to the live New York footage of uh, Cuomo and his press briefings. And I remember just sitting there shaking my head like, is this is this really happening in front of my eyes? I remember I'd go and I'd read this story about Cuomo shutting down New York. And I'm originally from Philadelphia and I would hear these things. And I'm thinking to myself, I have three generations of family that have owned businesses in Philadelphia. I, I, I can't imagine what those restaurants and businesses in New York are going through. I mean, it, it will ruin your life if that's your livelihood. As well, a it's true. Owner. Kelsey, the tragedy of it all, and, and right. I can tell you understand this, is yeah. they, they were doing everything right. They were social distancing. They moved their tables. Mm-hmm. They made restaurants that maybe you had enough. And they got penalized for right. it. Right. You could do maybe if you could do 100 covers a night. Now you might be able to do 25 covers a night. And I will tell you, I've interviewed numerous restaurateurs. They were just happy when they could go back. And just pay the bills. They were happy to bring their people back. They People want to work. This this whole notion that people want to just sit and receive. This is America. It was founded upon rugged individualism. This is about working hard, that equal opportunity but not equal, equal results are attainable in America. So when you shut them down, when they have a 1% transmission rate, and then you, you arrogantly – insultingly say because you are following the science that is completely dishonest it is dishonest and it seems like there's even a bigger issue here that i'm not even going to probably have the time to touch on but it seems like a lot of it it's the message where is this message coming from where are these lawmakers getting this message and also as journalists why are we that that don't work for other entities like that work for abc news for example why are we pushing out this message that um this is the right way like we have to follow science when really 
if people, like you said, literally are following science, you know, washing down surfaces, limiting capacity, why are they still being penalized? Right. And, then why and, you, and you, Kelsey, we have to run, but you know, you know the answer to that. And I think you said it very, very well. There are other reasons for this. And that's the reason that I invented the Brian Kilmeade doctrine, because Brian was saying every step of the way what should be done. And he wasn't saying it arrogantly. Uh, it was with a lot of reverence and respect for an unprecedented pandemic, uh, a disease that we never – coronavirus is the virus. COVID-19 is the disease. We now have a second variant. Uh, there's just so many things. But at the same time, the approach never should have been locking everybody up. That didn't make any sense. And, and, and by the way, Cuomo, to write a book on how you handle a pandemic – with what he did with the senior living homes and, and the um, the different facilities where our senior citizens in, in the waning years uh, of their lives br- brought COVID-19 to them. And incidentally, we don't have a full accounting. The, the number of deaths is it's heart stopping. It's 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 breathtaking. But they didn't even count those that left the senior living home and maybe died on a ventilator in a hospital. They didn't even count in the numbers. The numbers of deaths of seniors in their living centers where COVID-19 was recklessly, I think it's beyond reckless, uh, but that's for for lawyers to decide and others, uh, brought to them where they had no, they didn't have proper ventilation. They had nothing to, to be able to deal with that. And he gets to write a book of how you do it. It's outrageous and gets an international Emmy. This is almost like it's Saturday Night Live. It's, it's, it's bizarro world. Brian was right from the beginning, and he had to be because they're all saying it now. But why wouldn't they say it then? There's no evidence that has rung in here uh, five days before a new president comes into office. They're saying it because they know. They know that they conducted themselves, and it's, it's despicable. They, they conducted themselves politically and not in the best interests of the citizens of the United States. And that is reprehensible. It's unforgivable. 866-408-7669. More of your calls coming up in just a few minutes. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Brian. Brian will be back on Monday. I'm partnering with Allison, Eric, and Pete, so you know I'm in the best of hands. Uh, This is an amazing team on uh, one of the top radio talk shows in America. I mean, it's it's on my Mount Rushmore, and you know that means only four, and there's room to spare. Brian's not fourth, I can tell you that. Uh, we're going to take your calls, continue to take your calls at 866-408-7669. Let's, I think, appreciate and, and view this through the spectrum of that we are a 50-50 nation. The, look at the math. The House of Representatives, 222 to 213. That's as close as it's been in decades. Some say 100 years, but I think it's more like probably half that time, but still many, many decades. We're a 50-50 divided Senate. 
President Trump won 2,500 counties. The president-elect, Joe Biden, won 500 counties. So there is a whole lot of America, evenly divided, that feels exactly the opposite of the other. So every single thing is through that prism, keeping a restaurant closed or keeping a restaurant open. The, the philosophy of governance was all predicated upon ideology. Very, very dangerous. The next caller on The Brian Kilmeade Show is Beverly in Jackson, Mississippi. Beverly, welcome to Brian's program. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I would just like to make a comment. Um, I think I agree with all the other callers. This is just pure hypocrisy because um, the president, and as you have stated, Brian has been saying this all along, that yep. the economy should be open, and it is causing a disturbing effect on our small businesses. And it just hurt me to see the new president-elect Biden to say everything that the president has been saying all along. And now he gets all the credit. They don't want to give President Trump any credit. So I think it's very disturbing that now, here it goes, now that Trump is getting ready to leave, Biden is saying, his administration and the news media are saying things that have been said a long time, and it's so long coming. Well, Beverly, get ready for it, because for anybody that supports uh, the 45th president of the United States, it's going to be a very frustrating period because he will be blamed for everything. If you remember, we've seen this movie. We know how, it's like a it's like a horror flick. Jason Voorhees doesn't die. He's at the bottom of the ocean or the, the lake uh, and he's got chains around his neck and his eyes open at the very end of the movie. So, you know, there's going to be another one. They, it's just it's just an assurity that what I'm saying is going to happen because Obama and Biden blamed President George W. Bush for eight years. Anything that was wrong was always Bush's fault. Now, of course, he's in the club and he's a pal, so they don't say bad things anymore. But Bush was called Hitler. Bush was called all these things people forget. But I know people like Brian Kilmeade, and I know I don't forget. Uh, Beverly, nice to take your call on Brian's program. We're going to conclude the hour with a caller from Jacksonville, Florida, listening on WOKV. Jerry, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. You're on the air. Thank you for having me. I just wanted to say I'm a Democrat. Um, I do not hate my country. Um, I really wish that we can come together. And, and to be honest with you, I hope and pray, and I will be writing my letter to the, pre- to the president-elect in hopes that he would pardon Donald Trump. I am not a supporter of Donald Trump, but I think that at this point where our country's headed, we definitely need to turn down the volume and turn the page. What we saw on the 6th was disturbing. Yeah. I love this country. I will personally die for this country. And I just wanted to get your take on that. Jerry, I love your passion, first of all. And I love the fact because we've turned into a country where people who disagree politically or philosophically can't talk to each other. I love the way you just talked. Also, if President-elect Biden, if his whole inauguration is about unity, we cannot have unity when two months ago, 75 million people voted for President Trump and he's impeached and now headed to a trial? This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. This is Harry Hurley filling in today for Brian Kilmeade, partnering today with Allison, Eric, and Pete. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I consider Brian Kilmeade, I'm, I'm not just blowing smoke at the boss. I consider Brian to be the hardest working broadcaster in America. It's not uncommon to see him, Fox and Friends, the Brian Kilmeade Show, uh, outnumbered, outnumbered over time, the five, filling in for the primetime lineup. He's infatigable. It's absolutely incredible and deserves all the, the success that he has achieved. And, Brian, it's, it's an honor to um, sit in your chair today and, and very pleased you'll be back on Monday uh, as, as it should be. What a, uh, a terrific guest to open up this uh, portion of Brian's program, John uh, E. Anarelli. John E. Anarelli is a retired FBI veteran of more than 20 years of service in the Bureau, which despite all this political stuff that you hear – the FBI, and I, I, so that John knows, I'm an identical twin brother of a retired police officer. I have such reverence and respect for law enforcement, everything that you do, and especially how thankless it has become in recent years. It's been, it's been despicable, disgusting to see how officers have been treated, and it's just, it's just impossible. I don't know how they even do the job anymore. Uh, it's been made so uh, incredibly impossible to do. John's experience, and I remember interviewing Governor Keating many times during the Oklahoma City bombing era. It was horrific. And John did amazing work. He was a member of the FBI SWAT team. He participated in investigations of the Oklahoma City bombing and the 9-11 attacks. Uh, He has a new book that's coming out in just a few weeks, Disorderly Conduct, February of this year. It will be out. He's also the author of a previous important uh, great piece of work, How to Spot a Terrorist. He participated in the shooting of Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords and the Sony hack. And he's just got an incredible uh, pedigree, including, and it's very handy for this discussion, uh, in the FBI cyber division, because obviously there has been all this chatter about potential violence. John, welcome to Brian's program. Harry, thanks for having me this morning. Wow, what a time, what an unprecedented time. Uh, let's talk about all this chatter that uh, is going on right now. You would think with uh, the nation's uh, seat of government, Washington, D.C., uh, fortified, 21,000-plus troops, fences, checkpoints, I mean, everything that's going on, uh, to think that uh, fools would, would come there with that going on is challenges the mind. But there are all these potential threats around the entire country. What what, what uh, can you say about that? Well, you know, like any criminal, we're not dealing with the brightest people in the world, but uh, they are uh, probably going to show up at least to some degree. The question is whether or not we're going to see violence. But I will tell you, whenever there's an inauguration or special event in D.C., the folks in D.C. know how to handle those events, and certainly they're pulling out the stops for security this time around. There's going to be a lot more going on that the public's going to see. There's going to be a lot going on behind the scenes that you'll never even know is happening. Let me uh, do a little disclaimer before I properly phrase this question. I'm not suggesting that big tech social media should leave uh, highly incendiary, horrifically inappropriate things up on their various platforms But what I've been hearing, John, and I'd be curious, uh, you with so much experience at your level, 
to, to tell what you've been hearing about this. Big tech and social media is clamping down. I th- Obviously, some of it was political and against President Trump, but some of it is that they are trying to clean up their platforms that certain things like hang pence and all these crazy things that people do, uh, that, that that shouldn't stay up at all. If it gets up at all, it should come down and things like that. But is big tech social media unwittingly hurting law enforcement when you guys have such skill sets to be able to take that information and and almost like the the Tom Cruise movie pre-crime stop something before it happens Harry that's a great point a lot of the investigation we work do in the cyber world is looking at what's out there and following the information, looking at IP addresses so that you can come up with physical locations of where things are. Uh, For example, going back to uh, the Times Square bombing uh, a decade ago, or the attempted bombing, that was a cybercrime, essentially, and that's how it was solved. The person bought a vehicle online to commit a terrorist act, and the FBI was able to trace that person by the online purchase. Same thing with what's being posted on social media today. Yes, a lot of it is horrific and shouldn't have no place in this country. But it does give resources to law enforcement to be able to work with that information and pursue it. Shut it all down, and now we have a blind spot that didn't exist previously. There's got to be a balance. You are listening to retired FBI veteran John Iannarelli on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Line. In terms of um, preventing something before it happens, obviously – uh, I, I really appreciated Director Ray was speaking yesterday. He was sharing about chatter in all 50 states and, and in our nation's capital and all of that. There was chatter before Wednesday, January 6th. I think there's evidence of that now, John. What it was uh, – we talked about it in, in the last hour with uh, a, a great Fox News White House correspondent, uh, Kevin Cook, and we talked about how what a colossal – failure that was. And even it it appears that the mayor of D.C. was asking for more help. She evidently was concerned about the potential. And we were very quick to point out, I believe the Capitol Police deserve commendations. They took care of the human resource value. They had hundreds of high profile, uh, uh, what you would call dignitary protection uh, that they had to take care of before worrying about broken windows or anything else. So I think they did what they had to do, but there wasn't enough of them. If there was chatter, and it appears that, John, that there was chatter, why wasn't more done? The entire government, even the president was nearby not long before. You had within a couple hundred yards, you had everybody. How could this have happened? Great question. Uh, Certainly there were some failures in leadership. Uh, You're right about the online officers uh, on the front lines there doing their job. Uh, Think about this. There's 435 congresspersons, another 100 senators, a lot of people that have to be protected, including visitors there, etc. So life comes first before property. I think there's a presumption that when you look at all the massive Trump rallies that have occurred in the United States 
over the years. There's never been violence as we have seen in other places with other events such as the uh, mostly peaceful protests, if you will, during the summer. So regardless of the warnings, I think a lot of the perception was, well, Trump supporters generally don't commit violence. But what we have here is not what I would refer to as Trump supporters. These are anarchists, right-wing extremists, and they made up a small minority of the people we saw on that day, but a very forceful and dangerous minority. And I don't think that was taken into consideration properly. That's where you get the failure in leadership. It's better to be overprepared in law enforcement and not need it than to need it and not have it. That is so true. So so well said, John. John Ianarelli is our guest on The Brian Kilmeade Show obviously with his pedigree uh, of more than two decades of FBI experience, uh, a perfect guest to be talking to at a time such as this. What do you think of, what? what's the optic to you, John, when you see that basically, well, you could take Fox News's uh, Jennifer Griffin, and she's been there. So when she says it, uh, I, that really catches my attention because she's been to the green zone in Iraq. She said that right now this reminds her of the green zone in Iraq. That just seems like something we just would never have believed we, we would be doing. But of course, we have to, if anything, you have to, if you undercompensate uh, on the 6th of January, you have to overcompensate uh, leading up to the 20th of January. Uh, but what, what do you see when you see something that if you just closed your eyes and somebody just dropped you in there, you, you might think you are somewhere else and not even in America? So in the past for inaugurations, and I've had the good fortune of being involved in working in inauguration for uh, the second uh, ceremony for uh, George uh, W. Bush. So I've seen it from the inside, and a lot of what you're seeing in D.C. today, they would have those resources for inauguration. Most people don't realize you actually bring in police officers from different departments from around the country to work inauguration because there's such a high presence of law enforcement. But now we're focusing on it. We're looking at security. We're aware of the dangers that law enforcement always knew that existed. And in traditionally, a lot of the resources would be downplayed. You would not see people in tactical gear. You would not see them in fatigues, etc. National Guard was always used, but they were deployed in other areas. There's a reason you have a very visible presence, which is what we're seeing now. And that visible presence does two things. Number one, it's to deter. If you're a bad guy and you're thinking of doing something, you have to recognize you're going to be facing a large force to take you on and protect people and property. And number two, it's to reassure. There's going to be people coming out to witness the inauguration of Joe Biden, and we want those people to feel safe and protected, knowing there's a strong cadre of law enforcement and military to keep everyone safe. Retired FBI veteran John Ianarelli on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Two-minute drill. I want to give you an opportunity, because I think it's very timely. Uh, your new book that's coming out, Disorderly Conduct. What's, what's it about, John? Well, thanks. Uh, Disorderly Conduct, I've written a number of books, and I've always been very serious in uh, cybersecurity, terrorism things. But uh, with everything going on in the law enforcement world and all the people 
who have uh, tried to uh, undermine law enforcement or talk about uh, the negative things. I took the time to write up all the interesting and funny stories of law enforcement to try to humanize who cops are and who FBI agents really are, that we're people. We're, we're out there and we're motivated by one thing. We certainly didn't join up for the money. We're there to try to help people and uh, uh, keep the place and the world safe. And this is a uh, behind-the-scenes look at some of the crazy things that take place that uh, you would never see unless you put on a uniform. John, I have to ask this question because I, I think there are a lot of people in Brian's audience that just scratch their head and don't understand. I mean, if we're going to do lists like a terror watch list and there are people at the rally who are on the terror watch list. I don't think I'm giving away the the company secrets when I say there's incredible facial recognition technology that's available all around our nation's capital. Uh, How can people that are on a terror watch list actually freely attend the rally? If we have a list, why don't we why don't we do what would seem to be the next logical step and that is act when someone that's on the list is right there before our very eyes. Well, there's a variety of lists. You can be on a no-fly list uh, where, for example, you can't get on a plane for a variety of reasons, and some as simple as having made previous threats but nothing prosecutable. So just by the mere fact that you are on a list to be concerned, you still have constitutional rights in this country, and you can't be just arbitrarily arrested unless you've actually done something and been indicted for it or committed the act right there at the moment. So, well, uh, John, I, John, real quick, for, for example, the people that have been harassing Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham at the airport, it's official now. Fox News has been reporting at foxnews.com for the last day or so. They're officially on the no-fly list. So if they attempted to fly, would they be caught at TSA? If persons who are on a no-fly list uh, won't be able to get on a plane because they're they're going to need to present identification, and it's got to be a government ID with photo, etc., using a false ID is not going to work because TSA is excellent at identifying those mechanisms. Anybody who's flown knows what you have to go through these days just to get through security. So they're going to be taking Greyhound if they want to get to the Capitol. John, thank you for being here on Brian's show. Uh, All the best with your uh, book tour, with the launch of Disorderly Conduct coming out in February. John Iannarelli on the Brian Kilmeade Show, Newsmaker Hotline. John, be well. Uh, Great to talk to you. Thank you for your service. Thanks for having me, Harry. Stay safe. You do the same, my friend. Stay safe. Stay strong. We'll be back in just a few moments. 866-408-7669. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. With Brian's amazing team of Allison, Eric, and Pete, my name is Harry Hurley. Filling in just for today, Brian back 
exactly where he belongs with you on Monday. It is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Phone lines are open, 866-408-7669. We're going to go right back to your calls. I sort of want to set the mood, and I I have a lot of respect for Britt Hume for many, many years. I, I followed his entire career, even before Fox News. Britt Hume said something that I think really positions, and I've been saying it, maybe that's why uh, it's so relatable to me, that I think that this is the most divided that America has been since the Civil War. I don't think there's any debating that, uh, and it's just so evident to me that that's the case. Eric, cut two. I remember very well the divisive uh, days of the Vietnam War and the extraordinary passions that that conflict, uh, that conflict brought to the surface. It wasn't as bad as this. This is as bad as it gets, as bad as it's ever gotten, perhaps since the Civil War. And so the challenge for leaders in a time like this is, you know, how do we, how do we uh, tamp this down? How do we, you know, find places to agree? Um, because this is very, this is poisonous to our country. And certainly some of the things that Democrats did in the aftermath of President Trump's election have not contributed in any positive way to that job. See what you think about the mood in America right now, because it is it is very, very troubling and it is very hard to comprehend that one side is saying that we're promoting unity when really everything that they say and do is is as divisive as it can be. Remember, 81 million people voted for Biden, 75 million people voted for Trump. You're talking about this is not ancient history. This is two months ago that this took place. And now the the one that got almost as many votes and won five times as many counties uh, around the country uh, is impeached and will be on trial. And that's something we're going to be talking about a little bit later in the program with Shannon Bream. Is he going to be on trial? How do you try a citizen when the penalty is the trial is only to decide if the person is guilty and should be removed, if they're already out of office. There's a big question that has to be answered. And I, I think Shannon Bream, one of the most qualified people in America to um, to talk about that. Uh, she does a tremendous job covering the Supreme Court and legal matters for Fox News. Let's get um, uh, our caller on Steve in Orlando on WDBO for a quick comment. Steve, what are your thoughts about currently the mood and what's on your mind? Okay, well, one of the things that bothers me the most is the uh, the news media isn't talking at all about the the people that were at the riot. Okay, the people who were actually doing the the, the most damage were Antifa, and it's proven fact. You now, go now, look Steve, on YouTube. Steve, here's what we have to do: until we can prove that, I know how responsible Brian is. I know how responsible I am. And until we can prove that, we don't know that. There is no confirmation of that. There are allegations and rumors, but no confirmation. There will be a full accounting. And, and I will concur, that. and I've been at them. Most Trump rallies and Trump supporters are not violent. But that's not confirmed. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show welcome back to the brian kilmeade show harry hurley sitting in today brian back on monday as you know follow brian brian kilmeade.com brian kilmeade show.com uh and uh, brian thanks for the opportunity allison to uh to sit with you today uh you make it so effortless 
Uh, we are going to continue with your calls, and after we go to St. Louis on their FM News Talk 97.1 to Mike, we're going to throw a topic out for you to consider uh, because this is this is sort of just breaking. And while I'm not surprised at the author of this uh, comment, um, I think it's going to spawn some interesting dialogue from you, Brian's valued guest listeners. So let's go to Mike. Mike, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. You're on the air. Hey, thanks for taking my call. First off, to the latest thing, um, yeah, anybody that pretends that uh, the division that's going on right now is equal between Republicans and Democrats is not being honest. But to the point of what you were talking about earlier, uh, with the uh, now the uh, Democrat uh, governors flipping on thinking, oh, restaurants need to be open. For right. those of us who were saying that all along, I think what we missed out on in the first wave was we, instead of shielding and protecting those with morbidities that were most vulnerable – even in New York, where they sent them in the nursing homes and so on, what we did is we sequestered and we quarantined the young people that basically could have this and not even know it, that, that basically would not have the level of death that we've seen. And so by protecting that route, and that would essentially, that would be the real soldiers in this fight because their strong immune systems and their ability to get through it without any more, without any deaths uh, basically kept open transmission routes. Now what we've done you have to almost picture it like a playing field of marbles. <laughs> they're surrounded by the virus, and on one side you protect the vulnerable. That when they're touched, they change color, but they change color for, like, let's say go white to red for a period of time. Well, they bump into each other. They pass that through like a storm. Then they turn green. Now they're no longer a transmission route. A green marble on that playing field can no longer transmit that. Mike, so I'm going to give, you the, I'm gonna give you the flip side of this, though, too, because although what you said is true in terms of uh, the – mortality rate and things like that, a lot of people just automatically say, come on, 99.9% recover. And if you don't have comorbidities and if you're not elderly, that you're not going to have an issue. Uh, I just saw a a stunning uh, report, including uh, documentation, uh, and it was studied seriously. It's not something that was just rushed to release. And they had video imaging of even a person with seemingly no symptoms, as you called it, and what they call it, asymptomatic, that their lungs, they don't know if it's permanent, their lungs are worse than a career cigarette smoker. So it, we don't know, and I thank you for the call to Brian Show, Mike, we don't know how harmless this is, even to those, and that's why you take it seriously, you wear your face mask, you do your social distancing, you wash your hands repeatedly, hand sanitizer when, when when you need it, and we're going to get through this, and we will go from pandemic to endemic. But it's not as easy as, hey, 10 months ago, we should have just done, done herd immunity, and everybody who gets it and dies, uh, dies, and everybody who recovers and has the antibodies lives. Uh, they didn't do it right, but I think that also would have been wrong. The kill me doctrine is the one that works. You take care of the most vulnerable uh, and then we get the vaccine, and then we go from pandemic to endemic. Let me uh, put a topic out onto the Brian Kilmeade floor. I, I'm also a former sports writer uh, a long, long time ago. Uh, Brian Kilmeade has an incredible uh, pedigree in sports. That's why we play the games, or uh, maybe it's that's why they play the games. Uh, Charles Barkley, who is never afraid to be controversial, has said the following. Eric Cut 22. We need 300 million shots 
I've given a thousand to some NBA players. What about what about NFL? NFL. I'm just getting rid of NFL players, hockey players. I, listen, as much taxes as these players pay, let me repeat that: as much taxes as these players pay, they deserve some preferential treatment well, uh, for for life and death. Yes. The, the amount of money you make. Uh, no, no, I said taxes. The amount of, I didn't, didn't say the amount of pay. money you make. Well, that's, saying, that's no, on no, no. taxes. That's I'm saying the taxes. amount of taxes these guys pay. No. It, they, they, we can't go there. Uh, and I don't want to go there either. Let me just comment on it. I love Charles, and I hate that uh, philosophy that he just espoused. If you want to go there, I think a better answer would have been it's been a very challenging time. People have been pent up. They've been shut in for many, many months and during a pandemic to give the American people the opportunity to have their national pastime, to have the NBA, to have the uh, the NFL, to have the NHL, that inoculating our professional athletes so that they are able to safely perform. That I still don't agree with, but to an extent I could at least accept that. But to say that because of what someone pays. So in other words, if you work 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, but your lot in life is that you're a minimum wage earner and you work honestly and very, very hard because you didn't hit it rich, that somehow you are less of a person, that you come lower on the list. I find that outrageous. And I don't know who the... um, the other broadcaster was that was on with him, but he thought it was outrageous, too. Let's head to Columbus, Ohio, to Jerry on WHIO. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. What do you think of that comment from uh, Sir Charles Barkley? <laughs> Sir Charles Barkley used to be a good fan of mine because what's ironic is that he said this years ago, but it was for something different about his patriotism. And he said, if I'm not patriotic, then give me back all the taxes that I paid to this country. And it was on CNN, and I was trying to look it up to where he had said it. And it's funny how he would use that and apply it to vaccines. And my thought is, is that, first of all, he's not in the risk category to get the vaccine immediately. So I don't understand how taxes has anything to do with it. It has everything to do with you as an American being at high risk. And that's typically our elderly, our workers uh, on the front line in the hospitals, nurses, doctors, and other healthcare community staff. And athletes, they are like way down low on that totem pole. So I don't understand what he's trying to make this com- this this controversial, you know, comment about just to get people in the tizzy. I think that's pretty much what he's trying <laughs> Jerry, to do. Jerry, thank you for <laughs> listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show and for calling in. And I think you're right about that because he would probably even reflect that on, on that later and say, boy, that was a knucklehead thing to say. You can't you can't play class warfare on the American people in such a manner. Gabriel is listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show on the Fox News Radio app. And when I see Kenosha, I hate to say it, Gabriel, uh, it means something uh, altogether special now. West Coast, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Gabriel, welcome to Brian's program. You're on the air. Charles Barkley, is he right or is he wrong? Thank you, sir, for taking my call. Honestly, no, it's 
to hear that is appalling. That is like absolutely out of this world to say something like that. And that's for the fact, like, like you said, it's life and limb. It's not about taxes. It's not about how much you make. That's like me saying like myself and others who have served in the United States military should get everything first just because we've been overseas. Like that's not the point of why we do things. And it's not the point of the vaccine. The point of the vaccine is to save lives. Just like the point of what we did was to save lives. And to right. Protect the American and, and Gabriel. People. So then what you do is, and I think that the message is good. You, you get to the most vulnerable first, the people that have uh, either elderly, very elderly, where this would be extremely difficult to recover from, and many succumb, as you know, to it, are, of course, our doctors exactly. and our nurses and our first responders and our public safety. And then you get to the point where you work your way down, then 65, and then below that, and you get to the point where uh, in a reasonable period of time, and I think it's going to be the spring, I, I believe we'll have everybody that wants a vaccine handled by the spring-ish, maybe into the early summer. Uh, I think it's going to pick up. It, it's, you, there's big centers in my state. A big convention center is going to be used as a mass vaccination uh, facility. And we're going to get better at giving the doses out and making sure that we don't waste any because sometimes we've wasted a few because of the temperature thing. The Johnson & Johnson one is coming out, which I think you know, Gabriel, I can tell you're a smart Brian Kilmeade listener. That's only one shot. So that's going to be very, very helpful. We'll have a third vaccine. And then there's even more on the way after that. So we go from pandemic to endemic, but we do it the American way, the correct way, not picking winners and losers because you happen exactly. to play a sport and that you get to you get in the front of the line because you pay more taxes than than say someone who is a room attendant in, in a hotel. Now that's not that's not the way we do things in America. Exactly, and honestly, one can hope that this thing is over with as soon as possible, so we can all get back to living our lives in somewhat of a normal semblance. I want to thank you for listening to Brian's program. Honor to take your call, Gabriel, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha, Wisconsin, you didn't know it, but I've been in your thoughts and prayers. I've been praying for you guys all through the uh, significant challenges. I wish you well. We're going to take a brief time out, and when we come back, we have great calls that we're going to go to on the Brian Kilmeade Show, including a nurse. And I want um, our nurse to understand, the registered nurse, that you will be speaking with a nurse dad. I have reverence for what you do and how hard it is and and how dangerous it is during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I, it will be an honor to take your call on The Brian Kilmeade Show in just a few minutes. If you'd like to jump in, 866-408-7669. Call in now because the final hour uh, we have really – terrific guests that will be joining us for much of the hour. So this is a great opportunity to continue in open forum. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. One of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to, to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
with Team Allison, Eric, and Pete. I am Harry Hurley filling in today for Brian Kilmeade. He'll be in on Monday. Follow Brian at BrianKilmead.com, BrianKilmeadeShow.com. So I want you to be I want you to be very much at ease, Rebecca. We're, we're going to be going to your call in just a second. I just need a quick little preamble to let you know what a home game on the Brian Kilmeade Show you have today. I, as announced right before the uh, last segment ended, I am a nurse dad. So you know, you know my affinity. You know where, where my heart is at with this stuff. My late great mother-in-law, Joan Finneran, a registered nurse for more than 50 years. My, one of my daughters, one of my beautiful daughters, a registered nurse and saving lives. My son-in-law, uh, registered nurse and now nurse practitioner. My sister-in-law is a registered nurse. Several other current family members and a future family member, all registered nurses. Rebecca, you got the fill-in guy today, so that's always a disappointment when you get the substitute teacher and not the star, Brian Kilmeade, but you got a nurse dad. I Rebecca, love you. I love you back. I love you more. Rebecca's in California on the Brian Kilmeade Show. So, Rebecca, with that comforting uh, statement, tell us what you think about what you just heard from Sir Charles Barkley. He's picking and choosing the millionaire players to cut in the front of the line. It's crazy. You know what? I've been a registered nurse for 32 years, very proud of it, and I love all my patients. God bless them all. And let me tell you, that is the most horrible statement in the world I've ever heard, the most narcissistic statement. You know what, people? He is a nobody. Barkley is a nobody during a pandemic. Rebecca, as Charles would say about somebody else, that's terrible. That's terrible. Well, did you know that the nurse's aide that is wiping that poor elderly person's butt every day? All right. She may only pay maybe $2,000 a year in taxes. But you know what? She deserves the shot before he does. Of course. And that's why I regularly refer to nurses as heroes. You are heroes. And in a pandemic featuring a deadly, potentially deadly disease. I can't imagine, you know, I watch a lot of the medical shows. I love them. And you see this um, optic. And and I know I talk to my daughter. Some of them are more realistic and some of them are unrealistic. But, I mean, you can't have enough PPE on. This is so dangerous what you're doing. And now we have a new variant. Yeah, now we have a new variant that's even more. Yeah, I, I hear you. So, and, and by the way, this this is not bash Charles Barkley hour on the Brian Kilmeade show. I, I'm a big fan of Brian of uh, of Charles Barkley. I, I just not I'm not a fan of this comment that he made. And I think it's fair to say because it's in real time that we have the opportunity to react to it. I think he's going to get crushed over this. Yeah, that's that's the most mar- narcissistic statement I've ever heard. I mean, to think that he gets an injection before somebody who is helping the community. He's not helping the community. Paying taxes is not helping the community. Okay? Well, it does. Let's be let's be let's be real. It does help your community and it does help your state because you need the revenue in order to provide the different services that we have provided for us, but it doesn't give you a privileged uh better seat. You don't get the first seat uh for the shot. Because of that, if you you contribute, and that's great. You also live an opulent, wonderful life, and we, we wish that for everyone. But it doesn't make you better. And if you're not in a position, like I said, I, if I could have been his life coach, I would have said, Charles, don't say that. 
If I could have been on his shoulder, don't say what you're about to say. If you got to go there, then say something like what I said. It's still not acceptable, Rebecca, but at least if he would have said having the professional athletes, because we've seen whole teams decimated uh, in the college season and in the pros over COVID-19, if he said it was to help the American people have a distraction, have, have the ability to recreate, and to have something to take their mind off of the pandemic and, and maybe being underemployed or unemployed, that I wouldn't have liked, but I wouldn't have detested it. Rebecca, thanks for the call. We're going to go to Jose, listening in Orlando, Florida, on WDBO. Jose, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade program. Thank you. I, I actually agree with Sir Charles on, on this, and, and not for the same reason, though. I just think that uh, the economic impact of uh, professional sports is massive. I mean, just, just think of one arena. Here in Orlando, we have Amway Center. Thousands of people work there, right? So if you think about myself my at my job, if I get COVID, I get to quarantine for, what, 14 days? Economic impact to myself, to my family. But if the NBA players get COVID or any professional team, the impact is massive. It's the entire community because they cancel the games. They postpone the games. A lot of people don't get to go to work. Uh, the restaurants are empty. The bars are empty. And it actually affects two cities if you think about well, it. Well, here's right? what I think, the though, Jose. And, and, Jose, we're, we're down to about 30 seconds. But here's what I think about your answer. You're sort of responding to my doctrine on what he should have said. You're, I, I appreciate it. You're actually you're answering it better for him than he said it for himself. There lies the problem. He didn't say what you said. He put the athletes in the front of the line because of the taxes that they pay. It was it was really like a class type of some are better than others, winners before losers. And, and that is where I think it's off-putting. Your comment about revenue and all of that is pretty valid, but it's not exactly on point with what Barkley said. We'll be back. I can't believe how this is flying by, but after all, it is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. This is Harry Hurley filling in today for Brian Kilmeade. Brian will be back on Monday. I'm partnering today with Allison, Eric, and Pete. They're awesome. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Brian Kilmeade Show sits high atop, these are my words, sits high atop the Mount Rushmore monument of all talk radio programs in America. So you know if you do the math, there can only be four, and there's still room. Brian's not fourth. Uh, Just a terrific program. Honor to be here for Brian today. Our nation's capital is in lockdown. Did we ever think we would see something that Jennifer Griffin, Shannon Bream's colleague, could say reminds her of the green zone in Iraq where she has actually been there? That just is so powerfully persuasive to me of how profound a moment this is in American history. 21,000-plus troops assembled, checkpoints, high fencing. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's surreal when you think about it. Joining us now is a very talented Fox News uh, reporter 
and on-air personality and host of her own program, uh, which is just terrific work in the 11 o'clock hour, Monday through Friday, on the Fox News channel, where Shannon Bream is the anchor of Fox News at night. The Fox News chief legal correspondent, Shannon, Bream's, uh, Shannon Bream, joins Brian's program right now. Hey, Shannon, is Harry in for Brian. Nice to welcome you. Thank you, Harry. Great to meet you. Good to meet you. Love your work. And you're the perfect person that I've been looking for for a few days now because I'm confused. I guess it's unprecedented, so maybe we're all confused. But I'm confused at how there can be a trial in the United States Senate, which is the sole purpose to decide whether a president is guilty of an article or articles of impeachment and should be removed from office when the trial will not start most likely until – the the president is a citizen. How does that work? Yeah, and this is one of the most heated legal debates going on in Washington and beyond by all the experts who say definitely can do it or you definitely can't do it. Um, It would be unprecedented for sure, but that doesn't mean it couldn't be done. Um, I think that it's all about the step that would come after a Senate conviction, if the numbers are there for that, is that there are people on both sides of the aisle who are looking to, if they can get the conviction, after that the Senate could then, by a majority vote, vote to block the president from ever running for federal office again. So I think that although a lot of people say, this is a waste of time, the country's so divided, why are you bothering to do this? There are people who are looking to that next step about preventing him from running again, and I think that's one of the only real reasons that they are pursuing this. And I think there are some that just are such enemies of the president who um, would take delight in doing this for political reasons more than anything. But there are you know, legal scholars on both sides uh, who argue that it can or cannot be done, but it hasn't been done before. Exactly. And let's listen to uh, Alan Dershowitz. He has an opinion that this is not proper, that this should not be done. Eric Cut one. The Constitution makes it clear you can only remove by a two thirds vote. If you then remove, you can also disqualify, but you can't just disqualify. That's not possible under the Constitution. So it would be unconstitutional to impeach the president, then put off the trial until after he leaves the office, and he's an ordinary citizen. Because if they can do that, Sean, they can impeach you and me, because we can run for president as well in 2024. Shannon, wasn't this also, and I don't want to bring you into opinion journalism because you're such a credible uh, news person, but... This was terrible in my estimation. No due process, no fact witnesses, no judiciary committee. But, of course, in the first impeachment, Nancy Pelosi didn't go to judiciary either. She wanted to go to Adam Schiff. So somehow, some way, for the first time ever, it was done in the Intelligence Committee. That was wrong. Mm-hmm. This is even more wrong. Brian, Brian Kilmeade calls it pocket rocket impeachment. Jonathan mm-hmm. Turley, who we're going to uh, let you hear from him a little bit later in our interview, he calls it snap impeachment. Mm-hmm. This just had bad form all the way in my estimation. Yeah, I mean, as a lawyer, I do look at it through those uh, lenses about due process and fact-finding and what you expect the committees would do and how this would be laid out. Um, You know, it it was very much unlike any other impeachment I've ever seen. And I think for a lot of people, there are concerns because, listen, when it's your guy or not your guy, um, if it's someone from your party, then are you going to say, wow, there (laughs) there was nothing, there were no reports, there were no, you know, due process protections that were built in? I think everybody has 
just to cool off a little bit and just think about um, if you've got some sort of vendetta against President Trump, he was never your favorite, you want him out of there, well, just think about if the Republicans tried this with uh, President Biden. Um, I think you always have to think about the shoe on the other foot and whether it seems like a full and fair process to you. Um, I'm always going to be for the legal protections being built in, um, regardless of which person in their party is, is at the uh, heart of this thing, because you want people, the American people, to have confidence in it. Um, there are a lot of people who think this was rushed. It's purely political. Um, and you take some of the, um, I think, gravitas or the weight out of impeachment um, when you hustle it through in one day. Uh, I think it, it tends to seem less serious and important, and it's something that should be serious and important when we're talking about um, taking out the leader of our country um, potentially from office. You are listening to Shannon Bream, Fox News chief legal correspondent, the anchor of Fox News at night, the 11 p.m. 11 p.m. hour on the Fox News channel Monday through Friday. Let's hear from I know you interview him and you know him, the noted professor and historian Jonathan Turley. And I'm not just playing cuts on purpose of people that say it can't happen because I'll just confess it's going to happen because uh, Chuck Schumer is going to be the majority leader. And he says there will be a trial. And I suspect he has the votes unless he were to lose, say, a John Manchin or something like that uh, or Joe Manchin. Rather, he's he's going to have uh, a trial. And then he promises and we'll get to this in just a little bit. He promises what I think is the whole kit and caboodle, which isn't really that. It's that that second vote that only needs, I understand, a majority, not a two-thirds uh, supermajority, a simple majority. We'll get to that. Uh, if you do the honors, Eric, uh, cut 23. I don't fault any member uh, who views this as an impeachable offense to vote that way. Uh, this is These are close questions. My misgiving is over the use of a snap impeachment. Uh, they did not even hold a single hearing to talk about the implications of creating this type of fast track to impeachment. And so impeachment's not supposed to be some bang-bang play. It's not supposed to uh, happen on impulse. It's designed uh, for the opposite purpose. So my main objection is the lack of any hearing at all looking at the implications of what they're doing. There's also real questions there about the underlying charge. I do not believe that what the president said would qualify as criminal incitement. By the way, I, I, I'm going to make a comment about that. I totally concur with Jonathan Turley. And in fairness, he's just a, he calls balls and strikes. He's not a Trumpian. He doesn't love Trump. He doesn't hate Trump. He calls it like he sees it. I, I don't know how somebody could make a speech and say, soon some of you will be walking to the Capitol building peacefully and patriotically. I don't know how you then are guilty of insurrection or inciting insurrection. That's just me. But that, of course, will be in the trial. I would think if Dershowitz is maybe going to be one of the lead counsel, that's that's going to certainly come up and they'll show that video and they'll probably show many high ranking Democrats, including the new majority incoming leader Schumer, saying some very incendiary things about Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. And you could say they incite as well. But on point here, Schumer promises a trial, so I'm going to believe him that there'll be a trial. I'm, I am hard-pressed to see how they get 17, but Mitch McConnell seems to be sort of persuadable here. So I'm a little, you know, uh, uh, interested in, in how many he could then uh, impact because of if he votes for it, others will probably follow 
that he will be the minority leader at that point. So maybe you get to 17. So for purposes of Brian's show today, Shannon, let's just say they get 67 and the president is then first impeached in the House and then convicted in the Senate at the trial. And then the big gambit, because uh, incoming majority leader Schumer, Shannon, has said it to us, he will be having that vote that you talked about a little bit ago. And the question then would be, uh, should the president be barred from ever holding federal elective office again or probably even federal employment? And, of course, I think a lot of people thought if you're impeached and then the, the because no one's ever been convicted, Andrew Johnson, one vote away, that you just think automatically you're, you can't run again. You have to have that whole other question. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think if you get to the 67, as you mentioned, which has to happen first to actually convict him in the Senate, I don't think it'll be hard to get to a majority vote to then say, and he can't run again. Because if people have stuck their necks out to say, all right, I'm going to cross the aisle and join with the Democrats here to vote to convict, um, I, I think that that wouldn't be a, a hard next step. And you got to remember, I don't know if the Democrats aren't doing um, Republicans a favor in that, because it's so, the, the Republican Party is so split over this. I mean, there were there was an Axios Ipsos poll I think out yesterday and the day before, and, and they asked people to self-identify: Are you a Trump supporter? Are you a traditional Republican? How do you see yourself? And for those who call themselves Trump supporters, over 90 percent of them think that the president should be the GOP nominee in 2024, but only 41 percent of those who called themselves traditional Republicans thought that he should. So there are a lot of Republicans who have their own 2024 ambitions. They don't want to have to deal with the possibility of running against President Trump for the nomination. Uh, and even if a different Demo- or different Republican did secure the nomination at that point, they then have to worry about him running as an independent or some other kind of party. So I think there are some within the Republican Party who would vote to bar him from running again just because they would feel like it would solve a lot of headaches for them for 2024. So. I, listen, I think getting to the 67 is going to be really difficult, um, I think, for those who would like to see that happen. It's not impossible, but I think it's a heavy lift. Um, yeah. But if it does happen, I think that next vote may not be so surprising that you would see a majority who would vote to ban him from running again. Well, the Democrats uh, could do it themselves. The Democrats could do it themselves, Shannon. Yeah, yeah, they exactly. I mean, when, yeah. You, when you have the vice president, uh, yeah. incoming Vice President Harris, she could be that vote. But I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see a Republican uh, join in there. Two-minute drill. We're living the bream with Shannon Bream on the Brian Kilmeade show. In turn, and I, I draw upon your um, great pedigree covering the Supreme Court. I, I I've read you know the Constitution as it relates to impeachment, and as you know, they've made it very much in the total purview of Congress to handle. I think it was ambiguous on purpose. I believe our founders wanted it to be very rare. I think it's extraordinary that Nancy Pelosi has now presided over half of all presidential impeachments in 233 years. That's pretty amazing, fantastical even, and embarrassing and and terrible uh, for the country. I mean, uh, the whole atmosphere right now of the new administration is unity. That's the president-elect's theme of his inauguration. While we've impeached the president and put him on trial two months after he got 75 million votes, I don't know how we unite America with that, but I digress. Here's my question. John Roberts, as the chief justice of the Supreme Court, he would be um, heading up the impeachment trial. They say it's ceremonial, but but I remember Rehnquist and I remember Roberts at the last one in December. He's there and he does his job. But is he really going to be there or is this a 
one-off, fantastical trial that there's no precedent for where Chief Justice Roberts could say, I don't have a president, that the penalty would be removing him from office. Therefore, I don't have a place at this trial. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, and that's one of the big questions as well. It's a great question because the Constitution is clear that if the president is in the process of being impeached and it goes to a Senate trial, the chief justice of the United States is the one who oversees it. Um, he could very easily say, or somebody else um, who wants to object could say, he's not technically the president anymore, so you don't have well, to Well, he's literally, he's not technically, he's, he's literally right, not the president. He's not the president anymore. And they could argue and say, well, the Constitution provides for the chief justice to preside over the impeachment trial of the president. This isn't the president, so it doesn't have to be the chief justice. And believe me, the court is loath to get dragged into these political yeah. things. I know that it's the chief justice hates this kind of stuff. Um, he'd prefer for them to handle their very busy docket and be doing that. So I actually think if they proceed with the trial, um, there's a good chance the chief justice does not get involved at all, and they have to figure out somebody else to oversee this thing. And you know what they're talking about, Shannon? They're talking about either... Uh, Patrick Leahy, the, who will be the mm -hmm. Senate pro tempore, oldest mm -hmm. member of the majority party, and a couple of other options. That would look – the optics of that, Shannon Bream – I know we have to go in like 30, 40 seconds. The mm -hmm. optics of that would be horrific. Again, I mean, the Democrats, you know, a lot of people would argue are making President Trump a more empathetic figure if they decide to go after him after he has said, I'm peacefully leaving, we have the transfer of power, um, Biden and Harris are sworn in next week, and we move on. I think that they risk hurting themselves going into 2022, potentially if they look like they're going to continue going after him. I mean, it's up to them. They have to weigh the, the net positives and negatives. Shannon, you are a delight. What a, what a nice conversation. It just was uh, a pleasure. And uh, keep up your great work. Thank you. Hope to talk to you again, Harry. Have a great weekend. You do the same. Shannon Bream, what a, uh, what a lovely person and what a, what a credible, what a credible journalist. Uh, that's the kind of information you're not getting anywhere else except here. And we'll be right back on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian will be back on Monday. Thanks for the opportunity, Brian, Allison, Eric, Pete, to be with you today. Having a lot of fun and also we're imparting a lot of very important information, information that you don't get anywhere else. So thanks for tuning in to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to go back to your calls. I do want to make a comment because we're going basically to Flint, Michigan to Terry in just a second, and I'm sure that Brian's listeners know that nine current and former city and state employees have been criminally charged with the Flint, Michigan water disaster crisis, and uh, including the former governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, charged on two counts of willful neglect of duty. Uh, they carry uh, possibly jail time a year on each of the charges or a fine uh, that remains to be seen if a judicial magistrate will be uh, hard and fast on wanting to seek 
jail time or will they be able to um, unless, of course, they can be exonerated too, innocent until proven guilty. But wow, uh, a lot going on uh, that would be getting a lot more attention if everything else, uh, including switching to a new president, was not minutes getting days away. We had two Burton, Flint, Michigan, to Terry. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show, Terry. Hi, Mr. Hurley. Hello. And I know you want to talk about Sir Charles Barkley. For those that didn't hear, Charles Barkley made a comment that professional athletes, because they pay so much more in taxes, should get the the COVID-19 vaccine first. And he has sent a lot of people into a tizzy over that. Terry, what are your thoughts? I think he's wrong. I think it would be better for him if the rest of the population got uh, the shot so that the stadiums could be full again. They're not playing to an empty stadium. See, that's everybody on the Brian Kilmeade show has had a better answer than Sir Charles had for himself. I, I, I can understand that to give the American people the ability to go out and be able to recreate again and and fill stadiums and and have fun. And if you're at home watching it, because if the teams are decimated with COVID-19, Terry, and I thank you for calling Brian's show, then there's not anything that they could do about it. When we come back, we have another exceptional guest on the Brian Kilmeade Show, uh, because it is the Brian Kilmeade Show, after all. They're all exceptional. Uh, Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist, I think she is on point with her observations about what's going on. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Harry Hurley filling in for Brian. He will be back on Monday. I'm with Allison, Eric, and Pete. Uh, and thank you for uh, such a, um, a privilege to be a small part of your show today, guys. Uh, I have been waiting for you, Miranda. Oh, have I been waiting for this. Miranda Devine, in my estimation, has written one of the most intellectually honest columns in America today. The column has been percolating out there for about maybe 48 hours and it is absolutely terrific. And and even without Miranda's column, I, I so sentimentally remember it was the summer of love, chaz, chop, fires, but mostly peaceful protests, violence, massive property destruction, neighborhoods destroyed, people even being charged money to get back through barricades into their own community uh, by wonderful citizens uh, who were mostly peaceful. Some of the highest ranking Democrats said it's a myth, uh, Chairman Nadler. Uh, They supported defunding the police. They trashed the police. They put them in such danger where it was almost they were paralyzed to do their job. And they even bailed out some of the violent accused so they could go back to continue to further the good work that they were pursuing on behalf of their lawful communities. Joining the Brian Kilmeade Show is the great Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist. Uh, Miranda, my name is Harry, filling in for Brian. How did I do with my little sermon? Good morning, Harry. Well, you have summed it up 
extremely well the hypocrisy of the Democrats that we saw um, displayed on Wednesday in that sham impeachment process that they they went through um, just to, I guess, kick Donald Trump on his way out the door when he can't defend himself. It was a pretty poor showing. Did they and kick him? He, hey, Miranda, Miranda, did they kick him on the way out the door? Maybe. Or really isn't the goal to make him ineligible to ever run again, to just totally finish him off, disqualify him? Yes, and I also think beyond that, it is to demean and demoralise and basically de-person and de-platform 75 million Trump voters and their families to intimidate them into a position of silence so that uh, they can go ahead and radically remake the country as you know, they've been open about during the campaign. That's what they want to do. They want to abolish the Electoral College and they want to create new states in Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia. Uh, you know, none of it's a secret. But now what they're wanting to do is basically shape the battlefield for the future. Because otherwise, what is the point of what they're doing? Um, right. You know, Joe Biden's about to take office. Uh, This is a great distraction, a great divisive situation for the country. You wouldn't think that an incoming president would want that extra burden and to have the focus taken off his new policy and his new agenda. But that's what his party is actively doing. So we have to look at what the motive is. Without a doubt, you're listening to Miranda Devine on the Brian Kilmeade, excuse me, the Brian Kilmeade show, Newsmaker Hotline. I want to stipulate by saying that I I fully unconditionally support the necessity after the activities of January 6th, the breach of the Capitol, the attack on our Capitol, uh, that this overwhelming show of force is necessary But I can't help but think, Miranda, and leave me all by myself if you don't agree with this comment I'm about to make on the Brian Kilmeade show. But I think we can't prove this. So it's just a it's just a theory, just a maybe. But I think if we didn't change anything other than Joe Biden is coming into office, if President Trump were remaining in office, if there were twenty one thousand troops, checkpoints, a high fence and all these things going down, total lockdown of the nation's capital. I think the mayor of Washington, D.C., and all the usual Democrat suspects would be trashing our president, comparing him to some despotic dictator, strong arm dictator. Uh, Am I hallucinating or is that even possible what I just said? Could it be true? Harry, I haven't even thought of that, but you're you're right, because remember, last year when uh, those BLM Antifa rioters uh, descended on the White House and were fighting police and set fire to St. John's Church, which is just a few steps from the White House, that historic place. And uh, so after that, um, Bill Barr, Donald Trump, sent in, uh, you know, National Guard to get the, the, the rioters further away from the White House. And they were criticised as being fascists. Yes. You know, they, they, we had days and days of complaints in the New York Times and the Washington Post about, you know, tear gas. How dare they use tear gas? How yeah. violent they are. Now, 
Suddenly, National Guard, bringing in the National Guard to quell civil unrest, that is a heroic thing to do because suddenly we find that the Democrats actually support law and order. <laughs> they support the police. It's incredible. You, to, to the Brian Kilmeade show listeners, please read the New York Post column by Miranda Devine titled The, Left, the Left's Barefaced Hypocrisy. It's, it is so well written. It is so on point. It is so incredibly intellectually honest. And you are so correct in what you just said. This is, um, this is amazing, actually. This, this is almost um, fantastical that they went from trashing the police, defund the police, all these anti-public safety, paramilitary uh, things that they said and did, bailing out even some of the criminals. Imagine you, you almost got your face kicked in by some of these guys, and they're coming back at you, bailed out by some of the highest-ranking uh, officials, and two of them will be the highest-ranking officials uh, of the executive branch. How do they get away with such utter hypocrisy as you chronicle so well in your column? It is such utter hypocrisy and so shamelessly just turning on a dime. It's because they don't really get called out. The the mainstream establishment media are not only amplifying the uh, hypocrisy they and, and mirroring it, they actually actively perform the hypocrisy themselves. Uh, they, they turn a blind eye to any infractions or double standards that come from the left. But when it comes to Trump supporters... Uh, and Republicans mostly, unless they're anti-Trump, they they nitpick at every single infraction, every word that might be construed, uh, you know, the the wrong way. They'll do it. They will twist every single reality. They will take people out of context, and they will do, be doing it to demonise Trump supporters. And uh, you know, even though Trump will be long gone. They will continue this because they want to create this system of, you know, we're seeing now double standards and we sort of laugh at it and marvel at how hypocritical they are. But the danger of double standards is that they then become not just standards of, you know, rhetoric or behaviour. You end up having two standards of the law, yeah. two sets of laws that Trump supporters are treated but under one set of laws, and BLM, Antifa, the left are treated under another set of laws. So, you know, I think that the people who stormed the Capitol were terrible. That was an yes. awful thing that happened. I Agreed. mean, a police officer was killed. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the people who invaded the Capitol was shot dead. Um, it, it, it was awful. Five people, I think six people now have lost their lives as a result. Yes. So no one is condoning what happened. But I, I would expect that the same punishment is meted out to those people as is meted out or was meted out to the BLM Antifa protesters who terrorised so many cities, so many people who caused billions of dollars of damage, who killed people. I mean, that, those Ch Chaz 
uh, you know, lawless autonomous zones. People were murdered inside yes. those. Uh, you know, police were blinded with lasers. They were had Molotov cocktails thrown at them. They had bricks thrown at them. Police were injured in droves. They are leaving the police force. Uh, crime rates are through the roof in New York. It is particularly obvious, but it's elsewhere in the country. Um, it's a terrible situation that was spawned by those BLM anti-far riots that were condoned and encouraged by Democrats like Kamala Harris. So I hope that there is a same set of uh, harsh punishment to both sets of rioters. And I just am worried that there isn't. And what that does is that alienates and disenfranchises and disillusions half the country, and it's not a good state to be in. Not at all. And as you know, Miranda, I mean, the Baltimore situation, they dropped all those charges against criminals, alleged criminals. Uh, I think a lot of that is happening here. All the charges were dropped against the um, the 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 uh, the attackers that broke the fence of the, the, the couple in Missouri uh, where they're yeah. charged and the attackers uh, uh, are are let go. Their charges are dropped. We have a few more minutes with Miranda Devine on the Brian Kilmeade show on Brian's newsmaker line. I suspect that President Trump will be their 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 foil. Uh, I remember when Obama Biden blamed George W. Bush for eight years. Anything that ever <laughs> comes down the pike that is wrong or perceived as wrong, they will simply blame Orange Man. Orange Man is bad. Uh, he did it. We're fixing everything. But he did that. They'll take credit for everything. They'll probably even take credit for the vaccinations. Uh, but everything that's bad, Trump will have done. Is that about is that about right? Oh, 100 percent. But I mean, to be fair, everybody does that. You know, every single incoming administration blames the previous one for mistakes and uh, and takes credit for all the good things. So but we know that with everything in the Trump era, um, it will be turbocharged. It will Let, be blame Trump yeah. on steroids. The only reason I brought that up, I totally agree with what you just said. But see if, if this is a persuadable argument to that. It used to be after about a year. You owned it now. And if you if you broke it, you owned it. But they got away with blaming someone. Now, I thought maybe it would end after the first term. They did it for two full terms. So I think there's a distinction with a difference. All politicians are strategic and opportunistic and will blame the, pre the, the previous administration if they can. But they'll do it for their entire time in office. That, to me, is as rich as it gets. Yes, look, I agree. I think it's because they can get away with it. Yeah. Uh, Democrats can get away with it because, again, their um, you know media handmaidens uh, amplify it and allow it. Whereas, if Republicans spend more than a year blaming their predecessors, as Donald Trump blaming you know Obama for a lot of things, um, the media called them out on it and said, "Oh, it's a year now. You own it. You know, you've been in long enough." So. Uh, when, and I think this is at, at the heart of a lot of our problems. When you have a fourth estate that is um, betraying its privileged position to hold people in power to accountable, you know, accountable equally, uh, and and you know we, we've had. So, you know, people have slanted the news and uh, injected their own opinion, but this is not that. People can filter out the, that kind of bias. This is actually activism in the guise of journalism. 
uh, it's actively suppressing one part of the story and deliberately twisting and demonising one side of politics and ideology while lionising the other side. Yeah. That's not journalism. That's propaganda. Agreed. Final minute, and I wish we probably should have spent more time on this because I think it is so important. Big tech, social media, the power that they are brazenly uh, wielding right now, deplatforming, taking people's stuff down. Of course, uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini is just fine. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas Maduro is just fine. President Trump has to be taken down. I mean, it's really, they even took down the POTUS, the official president of the United States uh, account. I'm sure that'll be uh, restated, uh, reinstated uh, for, for President-elect Biden when he takes office. But how dangerous, we have about 30, 40 seconds, how dangerous, Miranda, is this that this is happening in the freest country in the world? Well, it's lethal to our freedoms. You have a an authoritarian agency which is completely unaccountable and shadowy. We don't know how it works. Uh, and they have the power over every avenue of communication that citizens have. They have the uh, authority to shut down and silence the President of the United States. That is terrifying. They are too big. They're global uh, organisations. They are monopolies and they should be broken up. And it's astonishing that we've allowed them to amass this much power. It is really very scary. Miranda, thank you for visiting with the Brian Kilmeade Show listeners. Uh, Keep up the great work. Everyone out there, please read The Left's Barefaced Hypocrisy by Miranda Devine of The New York Post. Great work. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much, Harry. You're welcome. What a... uh, What a classy, elegant reporter. Uh, We'll be back. We'll take more of your phone calls on the other side of this break. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Listen and pick up on some things you didn't know before. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Harry Hurley filling in. Many thanks to Brian, Allison, Eric, and Pete for the opportunity. Brian will be back on Monday. Follow Brian at briankilmeade.com, briankilmeadeshow.com, and, of course, Brian's on Facebook and Twitter. His handle, his name is his handle. Uh, What a, um, I think, important, impactful program we've had today in terms of the guests and their content. Uh, Brian's incredible listeners who are just in the upper 99.999 and beyond percentile in terms of your own product knowledge. And you can just tell. You love your country. You want things to be right. You don't want this division. You don't want things to be negative. You want things to be right. And we have time for one more call to close out the program. David, listening on WNDB in Daytona Beach, Florida. David, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Well, when I called in, I asked the guy, where's the resolution? Because all I hear is revolution. Yeah. Well, hey, David, that's the thing. Real quick, real quick, then right back to you, because it's about what you have to say. But I just want to frame it. You can't have a united country simply because a president-elect says my inauguration theme is unifying the country. When every action the Democrats are taking, they're dividing the country right down the middle. Some would disagree with that earlier, but you can't disagree with it because the math is the math. One got 81 million votes. One got 75 million votes. The difference in California was 5 million. That's your whole difference right there nationwide. Trump won 2,500 counties. 
Biden about 500 counties. We are a very divided nation. Closing comment from you, David. Correct. Well, I've listened for 30 years to talk radio, and I've listened to a, to all the the different sides. And if killing is the only resolution, then where are we going to go? Because when people, even when the president tweets out that, you know, the only good Democrat's a dead Democrat, and the Democrats do the things they do, and the Republicans are, you know, do the things they do. Because I try to tell people I'm not Democrat or Republican; I'm American, and I try to figure out where that lies. But David, we got to end it right there. Thank you for listening and calling into the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong, stay tuned to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you, Allison, Eric, and Pete, and Brian. We'll be back on Monday. Harry Hurley, wishing you a great rest of your day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.